Well, let's turn to God's Word from Isaiah chapter 9 and verses 1 to 7. Look at the prophet Isaiah chapter 9 and verses 1 to 7. Isaiah 9, beginning at verse 1. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest. As men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Amen. May the Lord bless his precious word to all of our hearts today. Let's just have a moment of prayer. Loving God, we want to thank you for this time of Advent, a time of preparation for the coming of the Messiah. And we ask, loving God, that you would plant in our hearts the things that we need to hear and apply to our lives at this particular time. We thank you, Lord, that your word is rich, that your word is powerful, that your word is the teaching that we need as we seek your face today. And so we ask you to cleanse us from all sin. Lord, that you might have clean vessels that you can use this Lord's day. And we ask you, Lord, that you would make the written word, the living word to each one of us. And to you be the praise and the glory for all that you mean to us. And we remember those, Lord, who are serving you And so we just pray, loving God, that you would just meet the needs of those who are serving you overseas. We pray for the persecuted church. Help us not to forget those who are suffering for their faith, even as we remember them in prayer. And we thank you, Lord, that we're so fortunate in this country to have the freedom to worship you in spirit and in truth. May we do so today to you be the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've come to the third Sunday in Advent. Only two weeks to go. And by this time you should know what you're doing at Christmas time, do you? Where you're going and who's going to have you. We're at uh, 
lovely stage where we get invited out by the family. Perhaps they think we're a wee bit too old to organise Christmas things these days. I don't know, I know, but we'll be invited out. And it's good to be invited. I hope you're not going to be in your own at Christmas time and somebody will visit you. And if you are going somewhere this Christmas and you've forgotten where you're going, somebody has suggested the senility prayer. Have you heard of the senility prayer? It goes like this. God grant me the senility to forget the people I never liked anyway. And the good fortune to run into the ones I do. And the eyesight to tell the difference. (laughs) But this morning we're thinking of how God prepared the world for that first Christmas. And through that to show how God wants to prepare us. How did God prepare his people, the Jews, for the coming of their Messiah? Well, to begin with, God did it by dropping the theme of the Messiah into the hearts and minds of the prophets. Especially into the heart of Isaiah. Remember that verse in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. You shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted means God with us. Isaiah 53 is the passage about the the suffering servant of God, the Messiah who would suffer, God's anointed one. Not only did he drop the theme of the Messiah into the hearts and minds of the prophets, but he also dropped the theme into the hearts and minds of the poets. And so we find that poetic part of the Bible, the Psalms, full of prophecies regarding the Messiah. Psalm 69, we find a reference to the anointed one being given vinegar to drink. Psalm 22 tells us he would be pierced with nails and his garments distributed. Psalm 34 tells that no bones would be broken. Psalm 66, 16 rather, speaks of Christ's resurrection. And Psalm 68 speaks of his ascension. <coughs> but we can go further back than even the prophets and the poets because God actually dropped the theme of the Messiah into the hearts and minds of the patriarchs. And the patriarchs were the, the fathers of the Jewish faith. And so concerning Abraham, we learn that the Lord, his seed, the land would be given. And Paul tells us in Galatians that the seed there speaks of Christ. And then the Lord spoke to Moses. Remember how Moses was spoken to by God that he would raise up a prophet from among them. Go even further back than that to Adam and Eve. You may have heard of Adam and Eve in recent days. In Genesis chapter 3 and 15, that the earliest account of the gospel message. I will put enmity, says God, to the serpent between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And the Bible scholars among you will be able to go further back than that. Into eternity itself. But it tells us that the Lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. Folks, that's preparation for you. Not the preparation of a month, not the preparation of a year, but the preparation right back to eternity itself. That's what God did in preparing the world for the Messiah. Christ became the theme of the prophets, the poets, the patriarchs, and of heaven itself. What does that say to us this morning? 
It tells us that God has never left us without hope. It tells us that he has had the redemption and the salvation of mankind at heart. And what I'm trying to say is that not only did God have a Messiah in mind, but he had us in mind. He had you in mind. Chosen in him before the foundation of the world. No wonder Charles Wesley wrote that great hymn, "'Tis mystery all the immortal dies." Who can explore his strange design? In vain the firstborn seraph tries to sound the depth of love divine. Tis mercy all, let earth adore, let angel minds inquire no more. And this time of the year will never have significance for any of us until we can see that God's plan for him was our, his plan for us. That God's plan for his son, the Messiah, was his plan for each one of us. That all history is his story. And the question that we need to ask ourselves this morning is this. That Christ, who is the theme of the prophets and the poets and the patriarchs and of heaven itself, needs to be our theme. <clears throat> he needs to be on our hearts, in our minds at this time of the year. It won't be on the theme of many Christmas cards that people buy today. It won't be the theme of many people who throng the shopping malls as Christmas approaches. Most of you will remember the old Sankey hymn, Ere since by faith I saw the stream, thy flowing wounds supply, redeeming love has been my theme, and shall be till I die. I wonder if you realise that God is still in the business of dropping the theme of Jesus into all those areas that we find difficult. Into all those areas that we find a burden in our life. God is in the business of dropping the theme of Jesus into all these situations. When we think of our lack of resources, God speaks Jesus into our lack. My God shall supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. When we think of those health issues that worry us, God speaks Jesus into the anxiety of our hearts and minds. When we think of the family and, and the difficulties that we feel in family life, he speaks Jesus into the anxiety and the worries that we face in our hearts and lives. So that was one way that God prepared the world for the Messiah. He gave it the theme, God gave that theme to the prophets and the poets and the patriarchs. And it became the theme of heaven itself. But there's something else that God did to prepare the world for his Messiah. And that is to give names to the Messiah that really answer a need. To give names that answer a need. And you'll find them there in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. That passage that we read. For to us a child is born. And that speaks of the Messiah's humanity. And to us a son is given. And that speaks of the Messiah's divinity. It doesn't say a son is born. 
It says a son is given because Christ was the son from eternity. The eternal son of God. A child is born. There's the Messiah in his humanity. A son is given. There's the Messiah in his divinity. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. And what ought to strike us about these names in Isaiah 9 and verse 6 is that each one of them answers a need that we have. Each one of them. First of all we see there in Christ there's a guide that we can have. He is the wonderful counsellor. And what is it about Jesus that makes him such a wonderful counsellor? And the answer is very simple. That the directions that he gives are so right. The directions he gives are so right. Again and again we are directed by the teaching of the word of God. We are directed into all truth when we consult the word of God. And this teaching of Jesus, it stands... <clears throat> Against the materialism and the commercialism that we find at this time of Christmas. I was really, I don't know how many of you watched uh, the X Factor. I hadn't been watching it, but I watched it last night. The razzmatazz and the build up and these young lives that are being built up to the height and, and then the whole thing may be taken away from them. There's a truth that Jesus gives that doesn't knock you down, but really builds you up. Whether you're a successful singer or not, or whether you ever enter into the X Factor, it's not the be-all and end-all. They've got to discover that in life. And Cliff Richard said, you know, it's one thing to be an X Factor and get this hit and, and get all that money, but to sustain that kind of life through the years is something else. And here we find here in the word of God that the truth is there. He's a wonderful counsellor because the directions that he gives are so right but I have to say conversely the decisions we make at times can be so wrong the decisions we make can be so wrong sometimes we there are people who will be saving up or they'll go in today you know why? because they want to buy love perhaps they feel they haven't been given the family love over the year and they think by expensive gifts that they can buy this kind of love. Folk, you can't buy love. You can't buy it. Others will make expensive decisions to keep up with the neighbours or to keep up with the trends. The latest equipment, without, no matter what it is. And how we need that wonderful counsellor to be our guide. And there's a guide that we can have today. And that guide is Jesus himself. But notice secondly, in Christ there's a strength that we can use because the Bible says that he's also the mighty God. This is a time when people talk about the many freedoms that they have. The freedom of expression, freedom of equal rights, equal opportunities, freedom to express sexual orientation. And yet with all these freedoms, very often comes a bondage. People claim to be free. And yet they're in bondage. And the power is not there. The strength is not there to keep freedom from becoming licensed to sin. And the same is true of the Christian. 
Very often the Christian says, if the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. But what did Paul have to say to the Christians in the one of the churches? Don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. And somehow he was saying through that, you need to have this power. You need to have this strength. And here we find in the word of God, there's a strength that we can have in this mighty God, this wonderful Lord that we have. Think of the many Christians, or or the people actually, who will use Christmas as a time to let go of restraint. Who will enter into all kinds of sin and situations at this time of Christmas. I remember reading a number of years ago, an article by some writer said, how busy lawyers are after Christmas. After Christmas, workers will sue their bosses for misconduct. Do you realise that more people file for divorce just after Christmas than at any other time of the year, according to this writer? If there's a freedom that people claim, I'm so glad to tell you there's a freedom that Christ gives. And with that freedom does not come the license to sin because he has the mighty power to enable us to bless, be blessed in their life. A freedom not to be like the world. A freedom not to sin. You don't have to wallow in that muck. Why? Because he is the mighty God. That's a strength that we can use. Then thirdly, in these names I see here a love that we can trust. The Bible says he is the everlasting father. And that proves a bit of a problem to us. How can the son of God be called the everlasting father? The Son and Father are different personalities of the Godhead of the Trinity. How can the Son be called the Everlasting Father? And the answer is in the way that the Jews would think of the term Father in the Old Testament. Jesus said about the devil not only that he is a liar, but said he is the father of lies. And that word Father there is being used as the originator of, the author of. And so we find in the Old Testament that uh, we've got Jabel, who's the father of those who live in tents and rave livestock. We've got Jubal, who's the father of all who play the harp and the flute. And so we find this word father being used of the originator of, the author of. So when we think of Jesus being given this title, the everlasting father, he is the originator of eternity. He's the one who has eternal words of life. Eternal life through Jesus. Remember when Jesus said to his disciples, Will you also go away? But the disciples or Peter say to him, How can we go elsewhere? You alone have the words of eternal life. That's so important. And so in calling the Messiah, the everlasting father, the prophet is saying he is the father of all that is everlasting. He is the originator of eternity. He has put eternity into our hearts. And Jesus has come to this earth to reveal eternity. He spoke the words of eternal life. And yet sadly today, 
so many people do not have a positive image of their father. For many people today, the father has been a person of abuse in their lives. There's been a lack of trust there. But in Jesus we have a a father of eternity. We have a love there that can be trusted. Folks, you can trust his love today. The love of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. The love did come down at Christmas. That Jesus has fathered eternity in our lives. So in Christ, there's a guide that we can have. He's a wonderful counsellor. In Christ, there's a power that we can use. He's a mighty God. In Christ, there's a love that we can trust. He's the everlasting Father. And finally, in Christ, there's a peace that we can know. The Prince of Peace. There's only one authority that's acceptable to us. And that's the authority of the Prince. And so we find the wise men saying, Where is he who is born King of the Jews? That's where the authority comes for your life and when it comes from the Prince. It comes from the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. There's no peace in submitting to any other kind of authority. You won't find peace in submitting to the authority of the advertisers. All those adverts that we see on television, the things that you must have. Folks, there's no peace in going after all that. Only the only authority that's acceptable is the Prince of Peace. The only answer that's adequate is the peace of God that passes all understanding. And the Bible tells us that he made peace by the blood of his cross. To be forgiven is to know the peace of God that passes all understanding. And so what I've shared with you briefly this morning is simply this. How God prepared the world for Christmas. How God prepared the Jews for their Messiah. He dropped the theme of the Messiah into the hearts and minds of the prophets, of the poets of the patriarchs and of heaven itself he gave the Messiah names that answer a need in Christ there's a guide that we have there's a wonderful counsellor and folks perhaps there's some of you here I think all of us here need to be crying out to God today and say Lord will you guide me through the situation I'm in will you guide me through this Christmas time there are some bumps along the road There are some difficulties that I'm facing. And I need you to be that wonderful counsellor in my life. Are you prepared to pray for that kind of guidance? In Christ there's a strength that we can use. He's a mighty God. Maybe you're rejoicing in the freedom that you have in Christ. I need to tell you that Christmas is often a time when restraints are let go. And people enter into all kinds of situations that they later regret. Are you you prepared to come and say, Lord, I need your power, I need your strength to face all the situations over this time of the year. And Christ is a love that we can trust. He is the everlasting Father. Perhaps you feel the need to be loved. 
or the need to love somebody else and you're thinking about the debt or the money you need to spend to buy that kind of love folks you can't buy love because love came down at Christmas and when you get that love of Christ in your heart it tends to overflow and goes out to others without having to spend any money it's there in your heart because you have the Lord Jesus Christ in Christ there's a peace that we can know because he is the Prince of Peace and the only adequate answer for the life that we want to live is the peace of God that passes all understanding we need to pray today for guidance for strength for love and for peace and that's how you prepare for Christmas because that's how God prepared his world prepared his people for that time of Christmas let's just bow in a moment's prayer let's just come before the Lord and maybe in a little time of silent prayer maybe you want to say Lord I need the wonderful counsellor today I could do with some guidance as to what to do at this time of the year there's some issues in my life that need a counsellor. Will you help me, Lord? And those of you who feel the wonderful freedom of Christ, I need to pray, Lord, just give me the power to get over some of the difficulties of Christmas, the restraint that people let go, the sin that they get into. Perhaps you want to say, Lord, I don't want to go down that road. Will you just give me your power? And perhaps there are those who are saying, Lord, I need to show love this Christmas. I don't feel love for certain people. But I ask you, Lord, to help me to love them through you. Lord, come into my life and be my Saviour and my Lord. Help me to love the unlovely through you, Lord. And I just pray for peace. Peace to descend upon every heart in this place this morning peace to descend in every home because there are all kinds of family situations that want to be quarrelsome that want to disrupt our lives but we want peace this Christmas Lord the Prince of Peace will you show that peace in our hearts and in our homes because we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus and for his sake Amen